I am J.A. Lovelock, a barrister and an author, but most importantly, a crime junkie. Welcome to my podcast, Behind the Yellow Tape. On the 17th of April, which happens to be my birthday, and in the year 1847, not the year I was born, of course, 18-year-old Catherine Foster was hanged for the murder of her 24-year-old husband of three weeks, John Foster, by poisoning his dumplings. Her execution meant that Catherine became only one of two teenage girls who were executed in the period from 1840 to 1868. On the face of it, Catherine had no reason to want her new husband dead. So was she guilty or innocent? Catherine was born Catherine Morley sometime in June 1829 and raised in the Suffolk village of Acton. Her father was William Morley and her mother Maria worked as a village washerwoman. Catherine had a very basic level of education she attended a charity school in the village and it seems she did not take well to this education and she was widely described as simple-minded. Catherine's parents, William and Maria, split up when she was young, leaving her living alone with her mother and two younger siblings, Thomas and Hannah. The reason for the split is not known, but it is interesting to note that both Catherine's father, William, and her grandfather were both involved in criminality, and which led them to be accused of murder, but which were never proved. Catherine was always known to be a silent and withdrawn child, and she did not make friends easily. However, she caught the eye and attention of John Foster. They had been at the same village school together at Acton near Sudbury in Suffolk. Even though John was seven years older than Catherine, and she wasn't exactly in love with him, after a couple of years of courting, Catherine and John got married on the 28th of October 1846 at Acton Church. After the wedding, the couple went to live with Catherine's mother, Maria Morley, at her cottage in the village. Before her marriage to John, at the age of 15, she entered into service as a workmaid, both in households in Essex and Suffolk. At the time of her marriage, Catherine was an out-of-work workmaid, as she had left her dull and monotonous workmaid job far behind. Within a few days of marrying, Catherine announced to John that she was going to go away for a few days, that she wished to visit her aunt she had not seen in a while, who lived in the village of Pakenham in West Suffolk. She would be gone for 10 days. On Tuesday, the 17th of November, 1846, whilst home alone with eight-year-old brother Thomas, Catherine decided to cook suet dumplings and potatoes for dinner, of which she and Thomas had eaten. At about six o'clock that evening, John came home from work, washed his face and hands in the yard, ready for his dinner of dumplings and potatoes. Catherine took John's dumplings, which was wrapped in a muslin cloth from the stove, and gave it to him. As soon as John began to eat it, he became very sick and had to go back into the yard to throw up. 
By seven o'clock that evening, John had gone to bed, still retching and experiencing severe stomach cramps. This continued throughout the night. The next morning, seeing that John was no better, Catherine left the house at eight o'clock, went to the nearby village of Melford to see Dr. Robert Jones. A journey which took her twice as long, for no apparent reason. Catherine told Dr. Jones of John's stomach cramps. However, she did not tell him about the vomiting. As Dr. Jones only had the stomach cramps to go on, he believed John was suffering from English cholera, which was rife in the area at that time. So he prescribed some medicine to that effect. Medicine made up of mercury, chalk and powdered rhubarb to help combat the cramps. He also told her that he would call in John later. At around five o'clock that afternoon, Dr. Jones arrived, but he was in for a bit of a shock. John was dead. John Foster, at the tender age of 24, was dead. Dr. Jones did the only thing to do. He reported the death to the coroner. The coroner then ordered an inquest and a post-mortem into this somewhat sudden and surprising death of John Foster, who hitherto was a fit and healthy farm labourer. Dr. Jones and a local surgeon carried out the autopsy. They removed John's stomach. It was sent to a Mr. A.E. Image in Bury St. Edmunds for analysis, upon which he found a large amount of arsenic in the stomach, which led him to confirm that this quantity of arsenic was the cause of John's death. Shortly after returning home from visiting her aunt in Peckenham, Catherine is recorded as purchasing arsenic from a chemist in the nearby town of Sudbury on the 14th of November. This might seem an alien concept to us now, but back in 1846, arsenic was widely used to get rid of vermin as well as an ingredient for cosmetic makeup for the face. In addition, the coroner's verdict was that John was murdered. And with that, they charged 17-year-old Catherine with this crime. Henceforth, she was arrested, placed on remand in Bury St Edmunds Jail, at which time she turned 18. Whilst in prison, Catherine's mother came to visit her, taking along young Thomas with her. Catherine seemingly took against the boy, and as is alleged, she said to him, You good-for-nothing little boy, why did you tell such stories? He had also brought her a cake, which she refused. What stories had the boy told, and why did Catherine react in such a way towards him? In the meantime, the police made a search of Catherine's mother's cottage on Monday the 24th of November. Samples of flour and also the muslin cloths that were used for cooking dumplings were taken by the constable of Melford, a George Green and a Sergeant Rogers, which were sent to the aforementioned Mr Image. Mr Image's findings were that the flour did not contain any poison, 
but one of the Muslim clots did. With that, Catherine was sent for trial for willful murder of John Foster at the Suffolk Lent Assizes on the 27th of March 1847 before trial judge Sir Frederick Pollock. At the trial, Catherine Foster pleaded not guilty, not guilty to the charge of murder. The prosecution, led by Mr Gurney, opened their case. He called several witnesses, including John's workmates, James Pleasance and William Steed, to testify that farm labourer John had been fine at work and was in good health when they left him at his gate on that final day. Mr Gurney also brought in the forensic evidence of Mr Image, who confirmed that arsenic was found in John's stomach. However, the most damaging evidence against Catherine came from Thomas, her younger brother. Remember that when he visited her with his mother, Catherine accused him of telling lies? Well, he told the court that he saw Catherine preparing potatoes and dumplings for the family. And he noticed that John's portion was being prepared separately from the others and was even covered with a different cloth. During the cooking process, he also saw Catherine empty the contents of a small paper packet of dark powder into John's dumplings mixture, and that he also saw her throw the paper onto the fire. In addition, John's mother Elizabeth told the court that when she heard that her son was ill, she made her way to his and Catherine's home, only to find he was already dead. She questioned Catherine as to why she wasn't sent for earlier. And Catherine's response was that John was too ill to be left alone and she had no one to go and fetch her. Clearly, this would raise suspicions in the jury's mind. Nonetheless, Catherine's defence counsel and Mr Powell did his best to defend her. He shared with the court letters love letters between Catherine and John which showed they were in love and that there was no animosity between them and therefore no need for Catherine to kill John. Disturbingly, at the time of Catherine's arrest, handbills were circulating around Suffolk proclaiming that Catherine was a murderess even before she was tried. Mr. Powell told the court that this made it very difficult for Catherine to have a fair trial. Whether these submissions had any bearing on the trial or not, we will never know. Because what we do know is that the jury took just 15 minutes to find Catherine Foster guilty. Guilty of willful murder of her husband, John Foster. As the guilty verdict was given late into the Friday afternoon, sentencing was put back until Monday morning, where presiding judge Sir Frederick Pollock, after a lengthy remonstration, sentenced Catherine to be hanged by the neck till you are dead. On hearing the verdict and the sentence of death, it is said that Catherine unusually showed no emotion. 
Then she was led away to await her execution. Whilst in prison, and in the presence of the prison governor, Mr. P. McIntyre, Catherine signed a written confession. In that written confession, she stated that she was guilty of killing her husband, John, and that she deserved her punishment. Yet she did not give any reason for the murder. And she remained composed during her time in the condemned cell. But why was Catherine so calm? Did she think she had every right to be rid of her John? And that the end in some way justified the means? And she was prepared for the end because she would be rid of her husband for all time? I think there's more to this story than meets the eye. What would make a 17-year-old girl poison her husband of three weeks? Because we have heard that there was no animosity between the couple. She did not hate him. They exchanged love letters, which was found among John's effects and belongings. And Catherine, whilst accepting her guilt, said that she deserved her death sentence. When Catherine was young, she told her mother that she wanted to die young. And in a letter, her last letter to her mother, Catherine stated that after death, she was going to a better place than being in this world of trouble and that she wishes she had been there ten years ago. But I'm glad to come to it at last, she wrote. This letter to her mother most likely offers the best clue to her motive. And this would perhaps go some way to explain and understand her lack of emotion when she was convicted and equally when she was sentenced to death. And so it was at 9am on Saturday the 17th of April 1847 18-year-old Catherine Foster walked unaided through Bury St. Edmund's prison to the stairs leading to the iron door in the prison wall and through it onto the gallows erected in the meadow outside Bury St. Edmund's prison, witnessed by some 10,000 people jeering and cheering. And with that, Catherine Foster became the last female to be hanged in public in Suffolk. The letter to her mother ended in the hope and desire to be reunited with dear John in heaven. After hanging for an hour, which was the custom, her body was taken down and removed to a room inside a prison where a plaster cast was made of her head. Thereafter, she was buried within the prison grounds of Bury St. Edmund's Jail.
Thanks for listening. I am J.A. Lovelock. Join us next time as we go behind the yellow tape and catch up with more episodes at btytpodcast.com. Three AM, the comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire. Let me tell you what you're going to get. You're going to hear stories about demonic possessions, prison stabbings, skinwalkers, glitches in the Matrix, cult leaders, missing four one one, night marchers, Operation Paperclip, Mesopotamian devil worship, and so many monsters it'll give Kanye West a runaway for his money. Pop and meme culture also aren't off topic. A camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place. We're just a group of friends trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3AM, the comedy horror podcast, not for the faint or fragile of heart. Let's go.